Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I'm so excited today to have JT McCormick on, who is the president and CEO of Scribe Media, which was ranked as the number one place to work uh, in terms of workplace culture in America by Entrepreneur Magazine. And this was not the first company he built and got rave reviews for uh, workplace culture, but he's done it many times. And what makes him so amazing, um, uh, there's a lot that makes him amazing, but what's really crazy is how he has taken his crazy personal story and the tremendous adversity with which he was raised and not only, you know, came back to normal, so to speak, but excelled at the highest levels. And one of the things we speak about, and it's not just about business, because a lot of times, you know, it's possible that a person could be uniquely gifted in one area, but he's also working with the community. He's helping other people who are, you know, youth and, and doing a lot of mentoring. He has four children. And what's truly humbling about speaking to him was his sense of, of, of positivity, his view on what it means to be competent and to have confidence and how we as people and as a country can shape the the education system to best benefit everybody. So, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people that might have all the good information and, and haven't actually done it. JT has done it all and he's done it coming from a, a place and a background where most of us can't even imagine. And I think what we wanna be listening to in this podcast, besides all of the amazing lessons, is just how your past and your circumstances really don't determine your level of success in life. And it could be it's your education, it could be you know the circumstances you find yourself in, but across the map, there's not something that you can't figure out how to scale and to climb and to grow beyond. So that's the that's the takeaway. For me, that was the takeaway on this week's podcast. With no further ado, JT McCormick. Okay, JT, thank you so much for joining us today. You have one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. Specifically speaking, you came from unbelievable um, adversity and perhaps give us a little bit of direction in terms of what are some of the, the, the steps in the process of kind of getting yourself, what was the situation you were born into with your family, with your upbringing, and how did you pull yourself out of it? Fair enough. Fair. So I was born, the, my, my father was a black pimp and drug dealer in the 1970s, and he fathered 23 children. And when I say pimp, you know, somewhere along the line, our society turned the word pimp into a positive. And my father was a real pimp back in the 70s. He put women on the street corner. They sold their bodies and, and he took every dollar. And my mother is white and my mother was an orphan. She was raised in a 1950s institutional orphanage where the kids were neglected, abused, beat. And so when she got out of the orphanage at 17 years old, they gave her uh, her suitcase, $20, and said, good luck to you. And she had never seen the, the world, didn't know how the world functioned. And unfortunately for my mother, one of the first people she came across was my well-dressed, fast-talking, smooth father. And so that is what I came into the world with, with my mother and father. I don't know where my last name comes from. 
when I was born, my father was not there. My mother had to take herself to the hospital by herself. She gave birth to me, and because she had never had anything in life, she decided to give me her last name. And so I have my mother's last name, but we don't know where it comes from. She was given that last name in the orphanage. No clue where, why that that name comes from. I, I'm often asked, hey, are you related to the McCormick Spice family? Yeah, maybe, you know, if, if, if someone knows, please let them know. But um, that's what I was born into the world, into my mother and I grew up in, in extreme poverty. And, and when I say extreme poverty, I mean U.S. poverty, because I, I don't forget for a second that <laughs> poverty in the U.S. is very different than poverty in some other places in the world. So I, I was born into U.S. poverty. We were raised on welfare. Uh, my father was uh, not not around much. I was in and out of juvenile three different times. How, so how did, how did that work? So so was that like the like talk a little bit about that because for a lot of us, especially that that are in the you know in the, the people that are in the entrepreneurial space, the business world. Again, yes, yes, you said that you you made a distinction between you know American poverty and the rest of the world poverty. But like, what did your childhood look like? What led you to you know kind of get into the life that 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 you were in? Oh, gosh, what did my childhood look like? Uh, you know, my mother and I, we, we never had these four things at the same time. We never had money, food, electricity, or water at the same time. We were always missing one of those things. In, in most cases, we were missing two, but we never had all four at the same time. And, and I tell people all the time, I actually learn my months of the year as a child because I knew the months that had 31 days were going to be harsh because we would run out of welfare, we would run out of money. And so I learned the, the months of the year based on how long the months were and when welfare would run out. Needless to say, February was always a great month. Um, so I, I look back at it now and, and, and I laugh and, and you made a comment earlier, you know, the adversity I grew up in. It was, it was adverse. There was a ton of chaos. And only now as an adult, do I greatly appreciate the way I was raised because oh, of that chaos, navigating business, navigating adulthood. Oh, so, so much easier. And so many people, um, you know, you hear, you hear this term kicked around right now. And I say this again, I'm, I'm half white, half black. You hear this term kicked around right now a lot, white privilege, white privilege. And I joke with with our tribe in the office, I go, well, I had broke privilege. And, you know, because I understand what it's like to be poor. I understand how to navigate those circumstances of being poor, being um, racially discriminated against. And, and, I, and I express this to people all the time. You want to talk about discrimination. Black people didn't like me because I was half white. White people didn't like me because I was half black. So there, there was some real discrimination going, going on there. And, but all of the trials that I went through, I, I would not change anything. Some, someone's asked me time and time again, what would I change from my childhood? There's only two things. I would have very much appreciated my mother having more money to take care of me, that the struggle that she went through, that's what I would have changed. Just the 
the way she was looked upon for having a mixed race child, the way she was treated, excuse me, I don't know if you guys will have to edit this out, but you know, my mother was called nigger lover time and time again. And I would have changed that. And then I also would have changed, there's three of my half brothers and sisters. We have the same father, different mothers. I would have changed what they went through. You know, my story was harsh. I went through a lot. It was chaos, but boy, what they went through was just, it, it was horrific. Was that, was that because it was significantly different from yours or is it because, you know, one of the other things that, that, that besides your, your tremendous accomplishments in business, the fact that you were able to come out of this, you know, mo this family that was, was very difficult. And then you, you yourself built and are very proud of the family that, that, that you have. And so, how do you, I guess, balance that between the fact that you have a certain level of um, understanding? I don't want to, grit is like the wrong word, but you have a certain, you've seen things as, as really, really hard. And as a result, you have a certain level of confidence going through the day-to-day -day activities because you've already been, you've already been, you know, through, through a lot. But when you're raising children or when you are looking around at other people that have experienced sort of what you went through, there's that same sense. So how do you bring the values in without replicating the, the adversity that, that, that you went through? You know, I, I appreciate a word that you use there. And so there's two pieces. You, you mentioned the word confidence. And so many times you, you hear people say confidence is built, build your confidence. You know? and, and I always push back, at, at least in, in my opinion, I'm sure there's people who disagree with me. I'm used to that, but I don't believe confidence is built. Confidence is a choice. You either wake up confident or you wake up and choose to be timid and meek. It's no different in my opinion than is the glass half full or half empty. How do you see it? If I wanna wake up confident and I, I want to believe in myself, I have to do that. If, if I get on stage for the first time, the second time it may be easier because I did it the first time, but it didn't build my confidence. Confidence is a choice. And what I found when I was growing up, poor, hungry, in chaos, confidence was free. And it was one of the only things that I had to hold on to. So confidence for me is, is not built. It is a choice. And to the, the second point that you made there, how do I bring those values and things into my children? You know, I got four, four children now. And it's one of my greatest struggles as a parent. How do I give my children everything that I didn't have, but teach them to appreciate it? Mother of God, this is like the hardest lesson that I'm having to, to go through because I, I want to provide, in many ways, I'll own it. I do the things for my children that I wanted to do as, as a child you know, last year, I went to Disney World for the first time, 46 years old. I had never been, took my children to Disney World. And I knew when we went, there was nothing, no expense was going to be spared. If if we wanted it, we you were going to do Disney World. Yes. And, yeah. and so I, I loved it. But it is right now the hardest challenge that I face. And, and I am, I'm man enough to admit it scares me somewhat because so much of my appreciation comes from not having the things I had. And, and I'll give you a quick example of this. My mother and I rolled the bus everywhere. My mother didn't learn how to drive until she was 35. And so when I say ride the bus everywhere, people don't really appreciate when I say this. 
That means when we had dirty clothes, because we didn't have a washer and dryer, we put all of our clothes in black hefty bags, and we went out to the bus stop, rain or shine, snow, winter, didn't matter, and we waited for the bus. Went to the laundromat, washed our clothes, waited for them to wash, get back on the bus, go home. Well, I appreciate the fact that I have cars in the garage because I rode the bus as a child. Well, my daughter now, she'll see the school bus and she'll go, oh, I want to ride the bus. And I tell my wife all the time, of course she wants to ride the bus. There's two cars in the garage. <laughs> How did you, and, and, and that's with, with your wife and your spouse. And I think it's an interesting idea to, to try to, you know, put the two things together. I'm, I'm assuming that her background was not similar to yours. Is that, is that oh, true? No, matter of fact, I got, I got to share this with you. One of my favorite stories, and we joke all the time, on our first date, I gently threw out there to my wife. I said, yeah, I, I grew up pretty poor. You know, it's pretty tough the way, way I grew up. And my wife goes, yeah, I, I grew up poor too. And I was like, oh, wow. And, and I go, really? And I said, well, define poor. She said, we didn't have furniture in our formal living room. And I go, hold on, hold on, time out. I go, the fact that you can say formal in anything excludes you from the poor conversation. <laughs> so no, we, we did not have the same background. So, so is that like a discussion? I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting thing because just like you're saying, confidence is a choice. I think a lot of times people are seeking out in a, in a spouse or in a marriage, you know, I, I, and I, I speak about this a lot, the, the idea that a lot of times we will fall back sometimes on the old habits and the way that we were raised. So how have you navigated coming from such different, different planes? You know, a, a lot of conversations. I, I'm, I pride myself on learning. I, I always want to learn, and, and I obviously don't have the academic credentials, meaning, you know, I did not I, I barely graduated high school. I didn't actually walk the stage. I had to go to summer school to get my high school diploma, never went to college. And so I, I love to learn though, but learn things that are interesting to me that will help me advance. And so with our, our backgrounds, we do a lot of communication because I once read the number one reason people get divorced is communication. So I said, okay, I want to make sure I communicate and always be open with my wife, had deep conversations. And, and I say this to her all the time. If we can't tell each other everything, then I don't want to know anything. Meaning we have as, as an open relationship, we have to communicate, tell each other everything. So yeah, we do. We struggle. She comes from a different background than I come from. Both of her parents have been married, I believe, over 40 years now. I know nothing uh, uh, about that. And, but, but we make it work, and we come together, and we have conversations. Some of my thoughts are obviously harsh from the way I was brought up. Some of hers are, in my opinion, too soft. But, you know, we come together, and we, we make it work. That idea of having a radically open and honest relationship, I'm curious, uh, two points. A, does it get easier or harder as, as you get older? Let's, let's start with that one. Easier. Uh, so, so much easier because you're not, you know, early on in every relationship, you know, people are bringing the, the best of who that person is. You're bringing your representative because you, you want to, oh, this is who I am. And, but the the longer you're together, you know, for me, I want what her parents have that 40 years, that 45 years. I, I want to replicate that. You know, I don't have 
if you look at my background, there's not a lot of strong foundation. I, I can't trace my, my legacy, hell, 30 minutes, let alone generational. <laughs> so I, I, I love the fact that I come home to the same woman. I love my wife. I love the, the conversations we have. You know, some people feel the need to go to happy hour after work or stop by the sports bar. I'm trying to get home as fast as possible to see my, my wife and children. And, and one of the key things for me is I realize my children one day will grow up and, and leave the house and start families on their own. And I wanna make sure that when that day comes, my wife and I are still just as close as we were before we had children because so, so many couples and relationships, their children leave the house and then you look at your spouse and you're like, okay, who are you? Because they didn't keep the relationship. So that, that's something I'm very conscious of. Um, one of the major parts of shifting gears a little bit, you mentioned you know, not going to college, barely graduating high school, and you've gone on not just one, but multiple you know, very successful businesses. What are the skill sets, or when you're looking at a person who is, let's say, 18 years old, or, or even they could be older, but they don't have formal training, they don't have an MBA, you know, all that, maybe they don't even have a college education, is that necessary? What are, the, what are the skill sets that a person needs to consider that they have before they try to go out and create, create something for themselves? I would say first and foremost, find out what you want to do in, in life. You know, you, you don't need to be an exceptional communicator if your desire is to be a software engineer. So, you know, figure out what it is you want to, to do in life. And, and, and I'll say this openly, if my children choose to go to college, I will support that 100%. Fact of the matter is, I want them to go to college, but you know, I never went, obviously. But if they said, hey, dad, I want to be an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm going to support that as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, obviously, I didn't go to college, so I don't find it necessary. Um, especially with some of the things that they teach. And if, if you'll bear with me here for a second, um, I find it very offensive that, that our country, we know 40% of all students that graduate high school will never go to college. And I'm talking low economic, middle class, whatever the case may be, 40% of all graduating high school students will never go to college. It is a travesty that we, we don't even prepare our kids. We don't teach them how to shake hands. We don't teach them what attention to detail is, what a high interest loan is. We don't teach them how to fill out an application. Uh, we don't teach them manners. So, so many of the small things that I picked up on along my career are some of the very things that really helped me to excel in my career. Punctuality, mother of God, there's a concept. Be five minutes early. Who knew? You know, no, no one's ever been fired or missed an opportunity for being early. <laughs> so right. I, I look at all of those little things that will help you advance in your career, shaking someone's hand, looking them in the eye, saying nice to meet you, attention to detail. Where's that lesson learned? Those are things that are far more valuable than some of the things that we teach in high school and college. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're still celebrating Columbus Day and we damn sure know all of us know he didn't discover America, but we won't teach you how to shake hands. So there, there's my rant. That, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great. So how did, you, how did you, practically speaking, figure out, I think a lot of times people fall into businesses or fall into their certain careers or they, you know, I don't know how, how common it is for people to have that, that calling from the cradle, so to speak. And, 
you know, and a lot of times you, you'll see people who are like professional athletes and they, they will have that calling, but then, you know, there's a time limit on, on, on how long you can do that for. So how did you fall into what you, you to like to your business and your entrepreneurial path? And are there any kind of specific pointers that you could advise a person that, that's wanting to kind of figure out, you know, what do I do? You know, as, as far as an entrepreneur is concerned, I, I will say this. One of the common factors that I have found with a lot of entrepreneurs is many of them have discovered, invented, created, thought of a great idea. And then one day they wake up and they've got seven people working with them and it turned into a full-fledged business none of them ever set out to say, oh, I want to be responsible for operational metrics, KPIs, balance sheets, hiring and firing, healthcare. They had a great idea and they woke up one day and it turned into a business. One of the things that always fascinated me with business is I am a direct recipient of the internet. Everything I've ever learned about business, I've learned from the internet. Uh, Balance sheets, income statements, capital expenditures, operational expenditures, EBITDA. So all of those things, you know, even the uh, investing, I taught myself how to take $100 and turn it into eight figures. So everything that I learned was from the, the internet. So you have to decide what is it you want to learn? What do you want to be? And then go down that path of discovery. And I'll say this to, to the youth that, that are entering Life is not Instagram. And what I mean by that is you see now there's the picture of the big house, the cars, and the money. Well, it took sacrifice to equal that success. We live in a world now where everyone wants the success. Very few people are willing to sacrifice. And and if you give me this last piece, I want to show at the highest levels where people have to sacrifice regardless of what side of the political affiliation you fall on, look at the last three presidents. Bill Clinton went into office with a young daughter. George Bush went in with two daughters. And Obama went in with two very young daughters. Don't think for a second, all three of those gentlemen did not sacrifice missing activities that their daughter did, tucking them in at night, sitting and having dinner with them, for the success of being the president. There is no success without sacrifice. If you look at LeBron James, this past Christmas, he had to play basketball in California on Christmas day. He wasn't at home on Christmas. That meant he missed Christmas morning. When he's on an 11 game road trip, he's missing his kids' activities. There is zero success without sacrifice. That, that would be something that I would definitely let the youth know going into their, their entrepreneurial uh, journey. Final, final question. The, the thing that really pops out besides your, your tremendous charisma and your personality is that you've been able to turn your charisma and your personality into a workplace culture that is thriving. So the, how, did, how, do, how does a person do that? How do you, was there a process that you followed? It was just kind of your own personality. When you look at a, at a workplace and you want to make it driven and open and comfortable and fun, how do you do it? You know, I, I look at things and I always joke because there's no, no academic credentials here. So much of me is just basically common sense. And one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in life are funerals. 
you, you go to a funeral, follow me here. You go to a funeral and 75% of what's being said, the person that's dead never heard it. All these people come in, they say all these nice things, they talk about their favorite stories, what they remember, so on and so forth, but the person that needed to hear it most never heard it because no one ever shared it with them. So one of the things that we do with our culture is we have a, a deal that we call uh, strengths and obstacles. And everyone goes around and we talk about this person's strengths. And every time someone hears something that they did not know someone else felt about them. We want people to know how much we value them. We want to help people with their obstacles, be it outside of the office or inside of the office. So there you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up. And also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much. People to have a whole self when they come to work. Amazing. JT McCormick, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for having me.